Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. It's uh, Bill. It's been been a couple of weeks. It feels like, right? Yeah, it has been a couple of weeks, Andy. You know, it feels like it's been 20 20 weeks, but I don't think it's been that long. What's that? It feels like it's been 20 weeks, but it hadn't been that long. No, it hadn't been that long. Well, um, thanks. Thanks for joining. Uh, Bill Sutton, Director of Services here at Zintegra. Long, long, uh, long time Citrix guy. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty accurate. (laughs) We can can go into the what product did you start with conversation, but let's don't do that. That, That's actually one of my pet peeves. Uh, And Jeremy, you'll find this interesting. I I actually kind of dismiss people a little bit when they start telling me what version they started with, because nine out of 10 times, that means they don't know the latest stuff and they're stuck in the old stuff, which is the last thing that uh, I want. And uh, one of the reasons why we do this uh, podcast is to help people get out of the old Citrix world and into the new Citrix world, which is still all the great old stuff, but all the great new stuff too. Um, by those conversations, guys. So Jeremy Myers is with us. Jeremy is uh, local here in the Charlotte market. And mm-hmm. Jeremy and I go back a long time. Jeremy is uh, is it a director position over the sales engineers at some segment of? Uh, tell us what your title is. Maybe I'll leave. Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 just one of the engineering managers for um, the sales team um, in the southeast. Well, actually, I used to say the southeast. That has changed beginning this year. So I've got. Florida up to the Carolinas and over to like Tennessee, but I also picked up some of the central this year. So the central includes um, Michigan. So I can't really say the Southeast anymore because it touches Canada. Right. But, but just to break your own protocol, Metaframe 1.8. Metaframe, there you go. Metaframe X. No, Metaframe. One, okay. Metaframe 1.8. Yeah. Metaframe 1.8. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's when I touched it the first time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You remember- hey, Jeremy. So Jeremy, we, here's the CD. Go install it. Yeah, <laughs> we did CDs back then. Yeah. Uh, and you installed that on top of Windows NT, right? We did. We did. actually. Let me let me take that back. That might have been the first version um, that sat on top of 2000, mm-hmm. right? I think the version before that, um, you had uh, it was uh, what is it? WinFrame 1.0, Winframe and that 1. sat on. Yeah, go ahead. That sat on. Yeah, that sat on top of a special version of NT, right? There was actually, Windows NT4, and then there was NT4 Terminal Server Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, WinFrame 1.7 and 1.8 came embedded with NT351. It was all licensed that way. So you put the CDN, you got your OS, and you got your Citrix all at one time. And I, yeah. and it's very similar to what you just stated, Jeremy. Uh, Bill, you know, we know you've done some server builds. Here's a here's a new product, WinFrame 1.7. Go with it. <laughs> No what I just heard, what I just heard is Bill, Bill just won. <laughs> Bill just won. And, and, you know, Jeremy, I'll, I'll do this for you, which we've done for other people that have been on the podcast before. Do you still remember the first time you saw it and thought, wow, I mean, that's, that's some applicable stuff right there. Yeah, I do actually. In fact, it was over dial-up modems. So this, the, the company we did the work for, um, they wanted to do remote learning. And I, I remember they wanted to bypass a VPN, which by the way, we still try to do today, right? We've got customers really trying to sidestep the whole process of a VPN, but um, it was dial-up. So I, I do remember basically a 56K modem bank inside a server and folks would connect and you yeah. heard the noise. You heard yeah. the noise, but yeah. Yeah, Citrix should do like something in the product where it makes that noise. If you tell it, you turn it on. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't make sense, but um, well, uh, well, thanks for joining. Um, I think our topic that we've talked about uh, picking for today is around the uh, uh, pending release of a new long-term service release coming out. Is that is that true or has it already come out? 
Ooh, that's a great question. So I saw this blog post this morning. I was checking on this last week, late last week. So if you, uh, okay. So if you, if you sort of steal some time here real quick, I'll go look, but I don't see it out there just yet. Oh, either so, way, I mean, what we're going to talk about is applicable. Yeah. So we have a, uh, a blog uh, from Monica Grismer, who's been on the call, been on the uh, podcast with us multiple times and always love having Monica on, but we, we chose to do this podcast or this topic uh, oh, about 30 seconds ago. So Monica didn't get a chance <laughs> to join us, but uh, always welcome in the future. Uh, the title of the blog is uh, get ready for the upcoming Citrix virtual app and desktop LTSR. So to me, the title kind of says it's not quite out yet, but, um, and, and this blog is from very recent. So, We'll give it a few more days, but we're going to talk about it anyway because we know what's coming and we know that uh, long-term service release is a big part of the Citrix world, uh, the, the way it unfolds these days and customers really need to know uh, not only how it applies, uh, but what's included in the long-term service release. Well, heck, man, if it, yeah, yeah. Well, first things first, if it doesn't come out next week, then they're going to have to rename it because that doesn't make sense, right? 33, 20, 2203 would have to yeah. become 2204. <laughs> well, so twenty. Three. Okay. So, so, okay. So the, the first two numbers are the year mm-hmm. uh, and the second two numbers are the month it came out. So that would be 2303. That's the plan, right? 2203. Or 2203. Yeah. So that's 2203. Oh, sorry. I just made us all a year older. I didn't mean to. <laughs> hey, so uh, let's cover a couple things first. Um, so if you're on Citrix cloud, does this announcement apply to you? Um, it would actually. So, uh, in terms of support of the VDAs, right? So, from a cloud perspective, um, you know, you're going to be on whatever the latest you know iteration in the cloud is. But there is a concern around what version of the VDA that you have running in your data center, right? So, if you're a customer that's on a long-term release of the VDA, then it matters, even if that's the only piece that you're managing. So, that's a that's a great question. And so, yeah, help me out there. So you've got the, if you're using Citrus Cloud, you're going to be whatever the platform is Mm -hmm. on. That's what you're going to be on. But then you have to decide for the VDA, am I choosing to go with LTSRs or am I choosing to go with incremental releases or am I choosing to go LTSR when a feature comes out I want that's in the incremental, that's when I go there. What's What's the logic you see most people following? You know, it's, it's the company standard, right? So, um, and it, it honestly kind of follows what folks are doing on-prem with an LTSR, right? So, you know, if there is a compelling feature that would have them hop off of LTSR into the current release, um, you know, I'll say maybe in the last couple of years, it's maybe been team support, you know, so that's been pretty important. But the same thing, you know, I think most customers will stay on LTSR um, if they're trying to, to main that, maintain that stable release. And, you know, if there's a compelling feature, um, which customers who tend to stay on LTSR, um, you know, they do pick apart those and, and tend to stay on LTSR. But I mean, listen, you know, Windows 11 support, you know, things like that might be important, but most folks will stay on LTSR for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess we should add one other piece of that equation is mm-hmm. you're responsible for the VDA version. You're also Correct. responsible for the, the Citrix Workspace app, whether it's Linux, Windows, Mac, uh, Chrome OS, whatever it is, you're responsible for that part too. And I know that doesn't necessarily apply to this conversation, but it is still part of the asynchronous multi-component solution, even if you are using Citrus Cloud. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Andy. So there is multiple pieces that make up quote unquote LTSR. So we're talking about 2203, but if you go dig into the documentation, which to be honest, I'm not sure is out yet, but it'll list all the components that make up that LTSR. So for instance, right? 
Um, you know, there's a, there'll be an LTSR for Citrix provisioning, PBS, right? Uh, there's an LTSR for the VDA. Uh, you know, let me go back to PBS. That is still a component that, to some extent, needs to live on-prem. You know, it hooks into the cloud if you're a CVAD service customer. But at the end of the day, you know, the PBS has an LTSR. The Workspace app has an LTSR. So all of these sort of things need to align um, for LTSR, you know, supportability. Yeah, and a lot of customers um, today will will put Storefront and um, uh, Netscale or ADC on-prem. So obviously, the Storefront would have to be 2203 to be mm -hmm. compliant in the in that situation. We're seeing less and less customers do that, but we still have a few that that do elect to do that on premises. Well, let's uh, let's thank Monica briefly for putting the definitions in up front. Uh, Jeremy, since you are the Citrus guy on the call, let's let's have you define what a long term service release is, um, so that our listeners can get um, either refreshed on that or exposed to what a long term service release officially is. Uh, so officially, um, <clears throat> it's a version of the code that has been um, certified for long-term support. And I guess uh, maybe maybe that terminology doesn't make sense unless you um, sort of correlate that with that next option, which is the cumulative update or actually the um, current release. Sorry. Uh, whereas, you know, that's a version that comes out once a quarter. Um, and, and going back to that naming convention, it's 2203 now. The next one is probably 2206. But... You know, that's where features are added. Um, and I'm not saying they aren't stable. It's just the whole idea is, you know, customers are expecting to land on a platform and be on that platform for anywhere, maybe five years. You know, and the idea is if you need the level of long-term support where you're supported for five years, no questions asked, you know, that's what the LTSR has meant, that long-term service release, right? Whereas, you know, if you do need features and you need them more often, um, you can go to that current release, the only only thing to keep in mind is you do need to keep that updated because I want to say that goes end of life. Each current release goes end of life within 18 months. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So it depends on your patching cycle. Um, you know, now having said all that, the cloud um, has sort of driven the idea that we add lots of features in. I'm not specifically talking about, you know, the CVAD service, but, you know, our on-prem current releases get lots of features with each release. And so, you know, a lot of that's just driven with, you know, folks are asking for these features. So, you know, having said all that, you know, not everyone needs that. They just want a stable release that's going to last for a while that they don't have to patch once a quarter. And would you agree that a lot of time that's driven by your applications that you're going to put into this mix and their requirement for a certain version of Citrix so that it doesn't, uh, so that they can have some standards around how they apply their solutions? I mean, 100%. I mean, let's take Epic, for instance, right? So Epic builds a support model themselves, something they call Honor Roll that's built on a certain version of code, right? So, you know, for the longest time, it was the 7.15 LTSR release. And so a lot of customers would standardize on that. And they didn't even consider upgrading until, you know, Epic went back and eventually certified, you know, the 19.12 LTSR release. So, you know, especially in healthcare, where you've got environments that need to be well-regulated in terms of patches and updates, um, yeah, you, your your customer is gonna um, you know, definitely standardize on whatever version that application vendor is certified on. Okay, so for this bullet, what we're really comparing is LTSR, long term service release, versus CR, which is current release. Uh, and then you and, and so okay, so in that conversation, you're really talking about um, LTSR is going to have bug fixes and security updates, but no net new features. Whereas uh, current release is going to have um, bug fixes, security things, and new features, which can sometimes cause 
new bug fixes, new bugs and new security things. So that's why you kind of want to, you kind of pick your path and you need to stay true to the, whatever that path is. You pick your path. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That drives most of it. All right. The next, uh, next definition here is cumulative update, which Jeremy, you kind of alluded to, which is what happens every so often to the LTSR so that those uh, bug fixes and security updates get applied. You want to highlight that a little further? So you know, mainstream support, you know, let me compare mainstream to, you know, extended support, right? So when we talk about the long-term service release, the date that releases, you've got five years of mainstream support on that product. So you install it, you, you, you get it running. And from five years from that date of installation, from when it releases, right? Um, you know, you can call Citrix support and get support on that product. No questions asked, right? Um, at the end of the five years, so at some point, Citrix will announce the end of life of that LTSR. In fact, this year, and this is important for most folks to know, is there's an end of life date on the 7.15 LTSR. So that's a that's a compelling event for a lot of folks. But you've been supported for five years. Um, after that five years, Citrix will support you for an additional five if you're willing to invest in extended support. So it's not cheap, but we do have environments that need to stay on a certain version for a long time. And, you know, if that's an option, if that's a requirement for you, we've got an option for you. You know, like I said, it's not necessarily inexpensive, but it can be done. Yeah, and that's the fourth bullet, right? The ability to have support beyond mm-hmm. the beyond the 18 months, beyond the uh, the, the three to five. And you, you mentioned three earlier and then you mentioned five. I think it is five, right? Five years of LTSR. It is five. Yeah. Having to pay extra. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that you get the five years of mainstream support and then uh, there's five additional years of extended support. Uh, you know, if you purchase it. And all this just goes back to the world. We were talking about MetaFrame and WinFrame a while ago. Back then, you just bought a you bought a version and you stayed on it for five, 10, sometimes more than 10 years, some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supported until a certain point in time when Citrix just had to cut everybody off. Uh, the whole point here is to kind of eliminate those kinds of scenarios going forward. And people know what they've got support for as they buy into it or implement it. And it's not uh, it's not fungible down the road. Exactly, exactly. I mean, listen, this stuff, especially LTSR, they'll, they'll run. I mean, they're supported, they're stable, um, and we've got customers that do that. Heck, I had a I had a conversation with a customer this week that was on. Well, the conversation started because they wanted to know how to migrate their license file off a 2003 server, and I said, "Let's talk." Right, and as it turns out, they were still running a version, I think four dot. Five, no, maybe 5.0, depending on the service pack. But yeah, they were still running that in production, uh, running their main app, right? And and it's made shame on us for not reaching out to them and letting them know exactly, you know, where that sat in support. But you know, folks just set and forget it. So, you know, these dates are really important to understand just in case something, you know, pops up. Well, the nice thing, if you're not touching it, it probably just keeps going, but then it just kind of lives over there in the corner and goes on forever. Bill, you're in the middle of a project now that is it 4.0 or 4.5 that the customer's on? Customer has a small four five environment and a larger six zero environment. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the important thing here is, um, I mean, that's a security risk, right? So, as much as we like to say it sits in a corner and run, you're absolutely right, Andy. You know, at the end of the day, you know, this got exposed to a security audit where you know someone said, "Hey, this is a, um, you know, this is an easy layer to fix. Um, just replacing, you know, what version of code you got." Yeah. Hey, Bill, uh, regarding those definitions, uh, I know you've got a lot of experience here. Anything that we didn't cover su- sufficiently enough before we move into the no, FAQ part I of it? I hit all the, all, the, all the relevant points. No, I don't have anything to add. 
Okay. All right. So the way the blog set up, we have those definitions and it jumps into what we expect to be commonly asked, frequently asked questions. And the first one is a very common one, of course, uh, what VDA, what virtual desktop agent, uh, I'm a big fan of translating acronyms, uh, what virtual desktop agent and server operating systems are supported in the upcoming Citrix virtual app and desktop 2203 LTSR. Um, Jeremy, you want to cover that? Sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of the reason folks upgrade is they need to support the newer operating system. So it's pretty important to understand what is supported with each LTSR. So, you know, I, I want to say earlier last year, maybe we end of life, um, you know, support maybe Microsoft end of life support for server 2012 R2. And so, you know, that's no longer supported with this new version of code. So with the VDA uh, 22.3 or 2203, um, you know, Windows 10, Windows 11 from a desktop perspective and, you know, server 2016, uh, 19 and 22. So, you know, if you're standardizing your, your data center, I've talked to plenty of customers who have not given server 20, you know, 22 a look yet, but they're certainly standardizing on 19 and we'll probably look at 22 here, maybe in a couple of years, maybe a year or so. Um, listen, here's a platform that we already support from an LTSR perspective, right? So, you know, just, you can feel comfortable moving to 2022 if you need to, um, you know, and from a platform Perspective. I'm not sure if I notice understand the difference here between this top. Well, the top one is uh, VDA support. The second one, oh, is, okay, uh, the platform, the controllers and things. Got it. All right, that makes sense. So, yeah, you know, so for folks supporting uh, who need 2019, I mean, that was supported in the last LTSR. But you know, if you're standardizing on 2022, um, that's an option. So maybe you're not doing it now, but when you revisit maybe your data center platform support here in a year or two. Um, just know that this will be the version you need to be on if you want to get to, um, you know, server 2022. And it's it's not it's not untypical uh, for Citrix just to follow whatever Microsoft's supporting with the latest uh, operating systems. And mm -hmm. it looks like what's happening here. And that's absolutely what's happening, right, is trying to follow Microsoft's model on their support. Right. So I. I want to say with, um, what was it, 7.15 LTSR, you know, we had to adjust that, or maybe it was 7.6, I forget, but we had to adjust that based on Microsoft's stance on Windows 7, right? So, you know, again, we tried to alter that to, to match what our customers are doing, especially around Windows support. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, time time marches on and, and we must mm -hmm. march on with it. Bill, you see this as a opportunity for us to help clients figure this out? Yes, Absolutely. Um, particularly the question of server 2022 and being able to get a longer runway, if you will, with an LTSR is the ability to go with a more modern operating system or the latest operating system version. Of course, that comes down, as always, to the applications. If you're talking about the VDA, uh, the apps have got to be able to run on 2022, which for some apps, that might be a question, especially older apps. Yeah. Well, so, so you bring up a really good point, Bill, right? So, you know, you're not married to one version of the OS here, right? So this, this VDA support, for instance, covers 2016, 2019, 2022. So you can certainly, and I think this might lead, this is the next question, can I mix VDA versions? The answer is yes, especially with an LTSR. Um, but you you probably need to stay on that LTSR version to, to maintain support, but you can mix and match different versions of the OS because the VDA actually supports all those different platforms. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, so if you have a situation where you've got an app that's running on 2016, but you want to, you've got some newer apps that you want to go ahead and move over to 2022, you're not having to build another environment. You just put the, the VDA supported on all of those OSs. Now, now keep in mind though, um, the LTSR, and this article points this out, right? So the LTSR for 2019 is supported through December, 2024. And once you hit that date, 
that version of the BDA is no longer supported. And so you need to upgrade to be able to maintain your LTSR. So it's supported to 2412 then. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. So let me ask you guys this question. I'll ask both of you the question. We'll do it uh, one at a time. Jeremy, how long do you think people should wait before they adopt this LTSR? If it were to come out next week, what do you think your consultant inside you would say to give it before you implement it? Oh, man. Um, so if I was on 715, so if I'm an LTSR customer today and probably looking for an upgrade, um, if I was on 715, uh, I mean, that's a call I've got to make in the next six months, right? So the question becomes, do I need, do I go to 1912 or do I go to 2023? Um, I have never been one to roll out code the day it drops because that makes me nervous. Even at, you know, even at Citrix and we, you know, we pride ourselves on this LTSR, but, you know, I might wait a quarter. You know, I would probably listen, if you're going to plan for an upgrade, it's going to take you at least a quarter anyways, just to kind of think through it and plan for it. Um, so I'd maybe hang around 22 or three for a while, see if there's anything compelling out of the gate that it provides you. Um, but I'd, I'd probably hold off just a little bit. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about depending on how, how far back you are with your LTSR mm-hmm. uh, makes the decision either a little faster or not, but either way, you're going to let it bake and let some, let some people kick the tires for a month or two. For sure. And if you're on 715, um, you, you've obviously hung onto that version for a while. I mean, it's solid and stable. Um, you know, if you go to 1912, you're looking at doing another upgrade at some point. And so do you make the move? you know, up one version, you're going to have to do again, or do you go ahead and pop to 2203? You know, I think that's probably a design engagement we'll need to talk through. Yeah. But at the very least, right, I bet both of you guys would agree, you have to go through your app portfolio today, maybe bring in a Remo 3 and start looking at where your apps are in terms of functionality as well as support so that you're not uh, left handcuffed when the time comes to move. And I would also do this in a test dev environment, right? So, you know, I'm assuming most folks have a test dev environment and I know they don't, but, you know, at the end of the day, I would probably stand something up um, as well and, you know, maybe even do a, a migration rather than an in-place upgrade. So, yeah. All right, Bill. So Jeremy answered and really well, by the way, as a guy who sells the product, how about the guy that has to implement it and uh, get the punch in the eye when it doesn't work? What's your answer? Well, you'd asked me right off the gate, I would have said 90 days three months, which is pretty much what Jeremy said, um, a quarter, basically, before I'd implement in production um, a new LTSR or a new CU even. Um, But I would encourage a customer, especially someone who's on 715, to go ahead very soon and stand up a pilot, if you will, that could be moved to production relatively easily. I also completely agree with uh, with the avoidance of trying to do any sort of, we really try to steer customers away from doing any sort of in place upgrade anymore. Um, and a lot of times they can't really even do that anyways. So it, it's an easy conversation, but we occasionally have those that want to do it. I'm not a big fan. I'd rather, you know, if you go into a new version, particularly LTSR, you really have to stand up on the latest OS, at least for the infrastructure pieces. Um, and then, like you said, Andy, bring in a Remo 3 for the app stack, see what you can run on the latest OS or or have a farm that's, that's uh, or a site that's got multiple OSs in it, as long as you're cognizant of when those OSs go out of support. Right. What do you guys think about this following statement? The fact that Citrix has so many clients running in the cloud these days, you know, using their cloud platform, um, using the Citrix as a service, um, what I would call platform. Citrix has more insight today into knowing what people are running and how successful they are than they did back in the perpetual days where you had to wait on people to call in with concerns. Is that 
I, I realize that's a little bit of an incubator type thing, but it's also really valuable in terms of the analytics that would go along with making sure everything's as good as it's supposed to be. I mean, I would agree with that for sure. Um, you know, I know it's, you know, all the data, all that data is anonymized. So, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint who's who, but I, you know, listen, I know that if we were to trend support cases and the sorts of things that tend to tend to happen, um, you know, the fact that a lot of customers are running single database, um, the fact that, you know, a lot of customers, um, you know, well, let's take a step back. What we can gather is launches for sure, right? So we'll know, you know, what what launch failures look like and things like that. And so that's important to gather. Um, you know, I don't know that customers have that same insight if they're running this on-prem without some kind of third-party tool that can grab that. I don't know, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, in most, most of our cases, we do. they do have third-party tools. A lot of them will leverage mm -hmm. Director, um, but a lot mm -hmm. of them want visibility that goes deeper than Director down into the you know, executable level, um, mm -hmm. you know, IO consumption, CPU consumption at the executable level that gives them a little bit more information about what's happening within the within the workload or within the VDA. Uh, so we do have a lot of customers that do leverage um, uh, deeper inspection tools that can give them that data. Yeah, yeah my whole point bringing that up was in theory, we're better together, right? So if mm -hmm. you're if you're not using the on-prem solution and you move to Citrix Cloud, that data is going somewhere and decisions are being made <laughs> on behalf of the, the betterment of the entire group. Now, sometimes that's the opposite of what somebody wants. Um, they want to control their own destiny, but the Citrix Cloud approach uh, really adds a whole level of analytics. You know, you got your security analytics, your performance analytics, mm -hmm. but just the stability of the platform. And I'm sure that data makes its way down to the on-premises on version. Um, next question here is, uh, I am running an operating system that no longer supported by Citrix, virtual apps and desktop, 2203 LTSR. What does my upgrade path look like? Always a lot of fun. Uh, Bill, you want to handle this one? Yeah, I, you know, the upgrade path, I think we kind of touched on it a minute ago, was where I would start with would be a pilot, um, and probably, and get the, the new infrastructure in place, get the get the the infrastructure pieces laid down um, and then they can actually uh, bring they can bring those workloads over with the the existing VDA version if they want to and then upgrade later um, that you know there's lots of ways to approach it and that's where we come in and being able to provide that uh, that advice on on the best way to approach a, an upgrade particularly a larger upgrade yeah, I think you and I both have mentioned it but Remo 3 right we start with running the apps through Remo 3 to find out what the tool tells us to expect in that new operating system. Right, yeah. And then you uh, mentioned a pilot, uh, always good. And then we kick the tires and maybe we even use, um, you know, log in VSI and do some at scale load testing and yeah. all that checks out and our vendors check the boxes that they support it, then off we go. Yeah. I, I have a quick question I meant to ask you guys a while ago. The, uh, the uh, 2022 version of server, does it look like uh, Windows 11 UI or Windows 10 UI? If I'm doing desktops, ooh, that's a great question. Um, I haven't. Started. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say Windows 10. This is me guessing. This is me. This is my. I haven't looked answer, but I think 2022 came out before Windows 11 did, so I'm going to lean towards Windows 10. I've. I've what I, here's what I do know is I've got a cloud instance that I, we could. I could probably spin that up in 20 minutes and, and right. go look. Sorry, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. So we're Googling it right now here. Yeah. Windows uh, 2022 UI. I just did the exact same Google. So. We 
we could have shared Google's. This looks like Windows 10. It looks like Windows 10, yeah. It does, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's one of the uh, benefits of staying backwards, which this isn't that far backwards. This is in, in line. Um, or moving forward is that, uh, you know, that uh, concept that you're getting a Windows 11, you know, whatever the latest UI desktop experience mm-hmm. is, and you're really running on a server OS. And as long as the users uh, have what they need, why do they care? Yeah, it looks like I the mean, biggest thing is, uh, I'm sorry, it looks like the biggest thing is Microsoft Edge is the default browser in 2022. Well, in that case. The new Edge. New Edge. So, um, so, maybe, so maybe this is a conversation for another another podcast, right? But just considering Microsoft's licensing around M365 and future versions of apps and what versions of the OS they can run on, you know, specifically 2022, um, you know, I wonder if we're going to get into a situation where folks aren't deploying 2022 for server desktop just because some of the office apps won't run, you know, per the EULA. So I might have just opened a can of worms for this podcast, but, you know, I think we should you know, we'll see if there's a blog that pops up on that. That's an entertaining conversation. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody were to write one, that would be awesome. Maybe we can just do a one-off coverage of that. That's mm-hmm. a that's a confusing world. Questionable whether Microsoft should even be allowed to tell you, hey, you got this license, but you can only run it over here if you want to run it this way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the world has kind of gone back to the, I don't know, 90s, early 2000s, where you're like, how do you get away with doing that? And the answer is, oh, it's my license. I can do it however I want. Or Microsoft, it says, it's our EULA. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably shouldn't go too far down that path in this conversation. All right, uh, Jeremy, anything you want to add to this? Uh, my OS is no longer supported conversation. What do I do? No, I think I think Bill nailed it there. I think this next one, um, we we probably touched on this with the upgrade path. So go ahead and go ahead and hit this one real quick. So the question is to upgrade to Citrix virtual apps and desktops 2203 LTSR. What version of the previous LTR LTSR should I be on? Go ahead, Jeremy. So here's the loaded question. I think it's alluding to the idea you're doing in place upgrade. And so if that's the path you're going down, you'll need to be, you know, 715, CU7 or CU8 or, you know, 1912, CU4, CU5. So um, again, you know, I think our guidance is probably don't do an in place. You know, there's no fallback at that point. Um, So you'll want to do, you know, a separate site or, or just a separate install. Um, but if you went down this path, I mean, these are the versions you'll need to be on to do an in-place upgrade. Yeah, this is always a fun one because in the old mm-hmm. days, you pretty much just always did a new implementation parallel and then cut over, mm-hmm. which the nice thing about that, it's like when I move, unfortunately, I move every three to four years, it seems like, and it gives me a chance to clean up and start fresh, mm-hmm. even though it's a complete, uh, it's a pain to have to do all that. Um, but Citrix, when we came out with the uh, FlexCast architecture, had the ability to do in-place upgrades much easier than before. That's mm-hmm. the good news. The bad news is a lot of people have brought junk forward uh, from version to version to version. Uh, I think this is kind of you know up to the up to the uh, the beholder as to decide whether or not a a in-place upgrade is the right answer or a parallel install. Yeah. So what do well, most Bill, people do? Yeah, that's my question. What do what do most folks do? Uh, most folks are most folks. We recommend they do a, a parallel install. Um, when you think about going from seven, but it, but it, to your point, it will depend on which LTSR they're running. Are they running seven fifteen? Are they running nineteen twelve? Obviously, seven fifteen. The only commonality between that and this new one is server twenty sixteen. So, if the customer is interested in going to, you know, to twenty nineteen or twenty twenty two, they really need to do something parallel unless they want to do an in place upgrade of the OS, which I would not recommend. 
Yeah. You, you just you just did the the consulting thing and really thought about all the angles, Bill. I didn't even occur to me that we're talking about you could be running your delivery controllers on you know 2012 R2, which is not supported with right. the latest version. So yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, it, it just highlights that um, you know this stuff keeps moving forward. It's it's great to be in the consulting space as long as you know as long as people keep buying on premises perpetual stuff. Uh, um, on-premises stuff, there's going to be consulting activity. And even when it's in the cloud, there's consulting activity, but that, that really does mitigate the need to have to even answer that question when you get to the cloud-based solutions. Yeah. All right. Hey, um, how you guys doing on time? I know we got started a little late. Um, I got some time. Okay. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, next question. Can any current release be upgraded to 2203? Uh, so the answer is yes, um, with the guardrail being 2020 or, or releases that were released in 2020 or 2021, which you know, kind of makes sense if just given the basically the support lifespan of a current release anyways, um, only goes back to 2022. So that makes sense. Do you see customers, uh, Bill or Jeremy, with the intent of staying on uh, an LTSR? They get bumped into a current release because they're looking for a feature and then they try to bump back to the next LTSR. Is that is that an approach people take? It is an approach we found people taking when the pandemic uh, hit uh, and they wanted to be able to do Teams and Zoom, to Jeremy's point earlier, Teams and Zoom offloading. And that was a, a fast changing or fast pace of innovation around Teams offloading and Teams um, optimization, Zoom offloading, Zoom optimi- optimization. There were a lot of changes made in VDAs that came out as well as in the the optimization clients from the vendors themselves. So that drove some customers to either silo off a, a group of servers that um, ran a newer VDA, which would effectively put them out of compliance from a from a LTSR perspective, unless there were exceptions. Um, and so we did have some, but I don't, I can't recall any that that did it wholesale. Um, you know, that did it wholesale because it would have driven them out of compliance. So, so Bill, it's, is it wrong if a customer were to have good intentions to be on LTSR, a feature comes out, they bump to that current release, but then they fall back into the next LTSR? I mean, that 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 sometimes things happen, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. The only issue would be is if they ran outside of that five-year window, they wouldn't be supportable. Um, I, I believe, Jeremy, they, they would have support questions or support issues. They might have to go back to that LTSR to get support, the, the actual LTSR VDA to get support yeah. on. But um, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Maybe they created a machine catalog that uh, that still runs the 1912 LTSR and the newer machine catalog runs the newer, the CU LTSR. Mm-hmm. And they could roll back easily if they need to or something like that. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, next question. How can I start testing my environment today? This goes back to Jeremy's comment about everybody having a test environment, a uh, non-production environment. And the reality is most people don't. They may have a, a VDA or a server stood off to the side where they're testing VDA versions, but not an actual full mirror of their production environment. And, and that's just the reality of it. Um, what is uh, Citrix recommending for getting started in testing? So with the understanding that 2203 hasn't actually dropped yet, the LTSR, um, you can actually test with 2112. So that was the current release that was released back in December. Um, because all of the features there, and this is what the blog post points out, is all the features and capabilities are there. You know that's going to roll into twenty two or three. So if you want to get your hands around it, uh, get familiar with it. Um, you want to wait, you know, the two or three weeks. You know, whenever twenty two or three, you know, drops, you can do that now. Um, mm-hmm. 
So this next topic brings up, you know, the the supporting pieces of the infrastructure that goes along with this, specifically in this case, Citrix Hypervisor, um, older people would call it Zen Server. Um, you know, it's not just uh, the hypervisor in question here matters as well and making sure you align those. I think, Bill, we probably run into lots of projects where we're implementing something. People want to go to the latest only to find out that the hypervisor they want to in implement with um, is way out of line. And that ends up becoming a slowdown. All the time. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just Citrix hypervisor. It's the, the VMware as well. We find customers that are still running older versions of VMware that are either close to out of support or actually out of support. And that means typically that they're not going to be supported on a new LTSR. Uh, so we have we have one one project going on right now that there's multiple components, but one of the components that's slowing down the upgrade to 19.12, to be honest, is their the older version of VMware. And they've got to get their VMware clusters updated, their vCenter servers updated. And at that point, they'll probably end up going to 22.03, depending on how long it takes. So we see this a lot. Yeah. Jeremy, is this and, part of good? I want to say, and I just went and looked to see if we've got what all those components are, but the documentation is not dropped yet for 2203. So I wanted to be able to say, hey, listen to, to Bill's point, you know, what are some of those other pieces? You know, we talked about PBS earlier, you know, we just hit on the hypervisor here. You know, what are the other pieces that all play into that? So it looks like we'll have a hopefully it'll drop here in the next week or so. So that'd be good to see. Yeah, the, the easy answer is just to stay within the Citrix mm -hmm. ecosystem and, and be on whatever the latest mm -hmm. update that LTSR is and all the different components. But as was pointed out here, there's other variables that go into that mix. Jeremy, you actually mentioned before we hit record that uh, this LTSR maybe um, enables some hosting connection type of things that, uh, I don't know, elaborate on what we talked about briefly before. Yeah, yeah. So ever since, I want to say current release, 2003, uh, we deprecated the ability for your on-premise, you know, customer-managed control plane to create hosting connections out to, you know, Azure, AWS, all of the hosting connections that we support. I don't know that Google, I don't know that GCP was was ever an option there, but you know, so all of those hosting connections were supported. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, the VDAs aren't supported either. So even if you chose not to do a hosting connection, you had a VPN or some sort of connectivity out to, like, say, Azure, even the VDAs wouldn't be supported if there was just no power management, right? So um, what's coming um, soon, hopefully, I can neither confirm or deny this, but the idea that with uh, a transition of your on-premise licenses to the cloud, um, you, you get something called hybrid rights. And what that means is as a customer, you can continue to run your on-premise control plane, be supported while you plan and, and, and look to move those on-prem licenses, you know, manage locally, but manage from the cloud, right? Um, now, for the longest time, you've been able to kind of create hosting connections from the Citrix managed cloud plane. But, you know, what you'll be able to do with your hybrid rights and this LTSR release is create hosting connections to those clouds if you made the transition. So, you know, we do have customers who basically want to lift and shift the entire stack up to like Azure. The challenge being now I can't create, you know, a connection out to AWS to support. Now you'll be able to do it with your hybrid rights, which is pretty important. Yeah. No, that's good. Good that Citrix is thinking that people are going to get into that bind mm -hmm. and need that option. Um, Jeremy, I have a question for you regarding some other technologies. I'll ask it after this. Maybe we can bring it up in a future mm -hmm. podcast. Okay. Um. Bill, any comments or any additional comments on the uh, the hypervisor piece, Citrix or others that play into this decision? 
Yeah, I know Jeremy was was indicating that he wanted to look at 2203. So I went back and looked at 2112. And from a vSphere perspective and a, from a vSphere perspective, you need to be on 7.0, U2 or later. So I would imagine um, that 2203 mm-hmm. will be very similar. Um, probably maybe U3 or later, who knows? Uh, and then, of course, hypervisor, Citrix hypervisors is, is uh, 8.2 LTSR or later. So um, 2203 will probably be very similar. All right. Uh, last question they ask here is, how do I remain compliant with LTSR guidelines to take full advantage of LTSR extended life cycle and support benefits? Yeah, this is really just about um, keeping everything up to date. So you need to apply the CUs, but um, you know they, the, the customers would need to have the, um, if they're running on-prem uh, control plane, need to have the Delivery controller and all the other components there on the latest LTSR, and then the VDAs need to match. Um, and then when you do see when a CU comes out, you need to upgrade uh, the controllers if the CU applies to them and the VDAs, and just keep them at the latest CU. Um, and you should be good when you call if you need to call support. And Bill, I think you you highlighted the important word, and that is all right. If I've got fifteen, if I've got five different components, and one one isn't, but everything else is, then in theory, I'm not compliant. Well, my experience has been on if you're having problems with that one VDA that's got the older uh, uh, that that that's got the older version on it, and you you call support and they you, you show it to them and they pull up the add remove programs and say this thing's running the older VDA, then you may have an issue getting support if the old VDA is out of out of support or or you're trying to get get it out of the LTSR window. So it's really all about maintaining compliance for support perspective. Uh, if you're not worried about that, then you know. It's the Wild West, which I wouldn't recommend, but um, you get it. Well, that highlights that a big part of this is about making you supportable. Therefore, right. you have to do your part. You have to be on the LTSR, not variating one one way or the other. You got to be in line with it if you're going to call in and say, I'm on the LTSR. I need help. Help me. Right. Yeah. But would you say that a lot of customers who are still on an older VDA, a lot of that is driven um by the older os so i'm on a 2012 server and there's probably an expectation of limited support anyways just because microsoft not supporting the os you know citrix is not supporting the vda on that os Uh, probably goes hand in hand a little bit it does it largely goes hand in hand but i think a lot of times a lot of times customers don't realize that the the ltsr goes out of support when the os goes out of support which actually is kind of interesting when you think about it but but um makes sense but um I, i think customers don't make that 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 correlation, if you will. Uh, they understand when LTSR goes out of support, but they don't realize that that goes out of support with the OS. And sometimes right. those can those may not be aligned if you're going five plus five. Makes sense. All right, guys. Well, I think we've covered the topic. Next, uh, the next one here is uh, next steps. And I think we've talked about a pre-production environment and we could talk about it again and again and again. And some people have it and some people won't. And some people have it in lockstep with their production environment. And some will be very vague as to how it applies. But at some point, you got to stand this thing up, um, maybe work with a partner like Zintegra, maybe work with Citrus Consulting or both uh, and figure out, you know, how do I get here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeremy, thanks for joining. This is the uh, first one you've been on. I appreciate it. I, uh, you know, I, I told you guys in the past, the, the one thing I'm looking for is uh, someone with real world knowledge to help us with these podcasts. And obviously you bring that to the equation. So I appreciate you filling in here. For sure. For sure. I'm happy to happy to hop on whenever. Yeah. Look forward to having you next time.
All right, Bill, uh, I'm sure you got plenty to do. I'll let you go back at it. But uh, thanks, as always, for joining and of course. talking through the topic. Yep. All right, guys. Have All right, guys. Day. See you guys.